Playoff time is when things start getting serious on the court. Players are more driven than ever to win these big games and keep advancing. Goodyear knows all about being more driven, too. Working hard to help you advance on and off the road. Let Goodyear.com help you choose what's best. I apologize for blowing up your phone while you're at the thing, because obviously I had no idea where you were. <laughs> well, what happened was Ariel Helwani. Uh-huh. So there was this one spot where I was sitting in the front row, and they told me, like, don't worry, you're you're not, no one's going to see you because the cameras are facing the other way. And I was like, that's fine. I don't, it's not up to me. This is your show. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm here to write about it and, you know, write about Rhonda because she's a big, this is a big crossover thing. Right. And, you know, we were kind of like laughing. Anyway, so at one point, one of the wrestlers, the female wrestlers, basically gets thrown over the barrier, like right in front of me. And I'm like, oh my God, first of all, I don't want her to land on me. Okay. <laughs> second, of all, second of all, like I was on camera for like three seconds and like people totally saw, you know, right. and Ariel tweeted it out. And then I was like, you know, a made woman. All right. Good morning, everybody. It's Monday, and there's no cast of the Mondays. Cassidy's like too big time for us. She's doing buckets with Worldwide Wob, and Janae's like I don't know hosting Sports Center. She's always she's always all over the place, right? Somewhere up in the cut. Uh, so guess who you got? It's me, Ramona Shelford, holding it down on Monday, fresh off the Royal Rumble here in Philadelphia. And I figured we bring in Philly's own Dave McManaman, who covers the Cavs on a daily basis, which means both of us cover a soap opera daily, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Dave, what's going on out there in the land? Uh, you know what? They let a little bit of pressure out of the room by beating <laughs> the Detroit Pistons, who had come into Sunday's game, Ooh. losers of seven in a row. But the Cavs needed it. And the funny thing is, so the Cavs beat... Uh, the Pacers on Friday, they played really well in the in the first half, played poorly in the second half, and they still looked in that locker room like they were death warmed over. Sunday, they don't play that well for the first three quarters. They played okay in the third quarter, played really well in the fourth, and now all of a sudden they're happy. So it's just funny, like just the context or the storyline of, of how a team can get a win uh-huh. uh, can change how they feel about it. Yeah, and it's, you know, Dave, you've been around the Cavs throughout this entire LeBron sojourn <laughs> down there, right, the last four years. And, and you know, I feel like we always have these conversations like, oh, is this the time where the Cavs are really in trouble? Should we oh. panic yet? Um, where does this, this latest spell kind of rank? It's, I mean, I had a player tell me, uh, when we were in San Antonio, that it's the worst it's ever been. And so oh, wow. I, I trust their <laughs> opinion. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think there's a couple factors at play. And I don't think I'm breaking news here to say it, but one of them clearly is the last three years, the guys in that locker room felt like they had the best team. Uh-huh. Uh, it, or if not the best team, a team that certainly had enough to beat any other team. Uh-huh. Uh, and that was because they had two top players in LeBron and, and Kyrie Irving. And mm-hmm. by taking Kyrie Irving away and adding a player in Isaiah Thomas who is not the same guy he was, maybe someday he will be that guy again, but yep. he's not that guy right now. 
it's kind of driving these guys crazy. And um, they're not handling it necessarily well, but also this is the time they need to kind of let their uh, qualms be known because we're like 11 days away from the trade deadline. So uh, unless they let that discomfort out there, uh, perhaps management would think they had enough because they revamped the bench. Now they have the top five bench in the league. That was one of the number one problems they had in the finals last year. Uh, Now is the time for them to be talking to people like myself off the record to apply pressure to the front office to make the team better, to have a chance to win a championship. I love it. I love it. This is Dave's like, this is, this is how Dave is working it right now. Right. (laughs) Now's the time, man. If you got something to say, right now, say it. I love it. I love it. I love reporter behind the scenes. Uh, (laughs) uh, You know, it's interesting though. Like what does this team actually need? I mean, I, you know, I watched them quite a bit over the last two, three weeks. I saw them on Christmas and they looked okay to me when they had Jose Calderon running point and they were playing in that system. But it was also like LeBron was playing everything. (laughs) LeBron (laughs) was one, two, three, four, five had to, you know, galvanize them on defense as well as offense. Like he really could not keep up that kind of pace. Um, then Isaiah Thomas comes back, isn't a system point guard, maybe isn't really of a point guard at all. Uh-huh. It's more of a scorer, right? Um, and, it, you know, you, they've made a change now to the starting lineup. Jay Crowder's gone to the bench. Tristan Thompson's come in and played the five. Like, are these the types of tweaks that, that, that can help, or do they actually need to go out and get – more shooting or a real point guard or a defensive wing who can do what they thought Jay Crowder was going to get. Right. So I'll start with the Thompson move. It was a good one because as well as Kevin Love was playing earlier in the year, it wasn't really sustainable to have him playing out of position the entire year. Uh, It it was wearing on him Uh, mentally. It wasn't uh, doing great things for him because he was getting exposed defensively and then he was becoming a scapegoat at times in that locker room because of his defensive effort when, hey, I'm a 10-year veteran. All of a sudden, you're asking me to play center? Like, then you're mm-hmm. recognizing that? So that was smart. In terms of what they need, point guard is the number one thing ailing this team right now because they went from an all-world guy in Kyrie Irving to, you know, a guy you just mentioned, the problems that Isaiah Thomas presents at that position right now. Now, I'm not saying that at some point Isaiah Thomas won't be an effective player for the Cavs, but... Now is the time to go see if you can get a point guard. Uh, and, and Jose filled in ad- admirably, but he was doing it while, as you said, LeBron, as great as LeBron is, was even playing above his head. Also not sustainable, just like Kevin Love at center, not sustainable. So, uh, I think they actually have the shooting. They need to find a way to activate the shooting and tie loose mm. answer to that. And people call him a broken record, but in the past it's worked is to play with pace because if you're playing with pace, you're wearing out the defense. You're getting up and down the, the floor. Your penetrators are getting into the lane. You surround them with shooters. The shooters get open looks. They make them. And J.R. Smith has been activated the last couple of games. That's been a very encouraging sign. Kyle Korver been activated the last couple of games. I mean, those are the guys that they need to look to to make, you know, two to four threes a game each. And that will completely change their offense. And this team, like many other NBA teams in the history of the league, but but certainly this team wears this kind of personality trait more so than other teams I've covered. When mm-hmm. they score, they defend. When they don't score, they don't bring the same defensive effort. You know, it's so interesting comparing how the Warriors have been in year three and four to how the Cavs have handled this, right? Like, you know, I've been around the Warriors quite a bit um, in the last month or so. 
And it's like their biggest, their biggest challenge is just staleness is just, you know, finding the fire to deliver, you know, the championship level effort on both ends, night in and night out. And you see it, you know, you see little, little slippages and usually there's manifest with lack of effort or sloppiness. So you look at their turnovers, you look at certain plays where, you know, people just get out of control. They, you know, they swing the ball around in a sort of careless fashion. Um, and, you know, but, but I think it goes back to what you said at the beginning of this, which is the Warriors know they have the best team. Like, just deep down, it's really not even close, okay? The only yeah. teams that can really beat them would be teams that have sort of cobbled together this Frankensteinish version of a super team, right? Now, mm-hmm. you're right, okay, so Oklahoma City's got the three stars. Right. Would they be the three stars you would necessarily pick to play together? Probably not, but they're right. figuring it out in a way. Um, Houston has Chris Paul and, and James Harden. That's an interesting thought experiment that probably only one coach in the league would take on, and his name is Mike D'Antoni because mm-hmm. he loves guards, right? <laughs> like everybody should shoot and play like that. Um, it's a it's an interesting it's an interesting thought experiment, but the Warriors come back to the, the end of the day and go, "We got the most talent, and it's not even close," right? Um, yeah. And the Cavs, quite simply, I don't know if they ever felt they had the most talent. But they certainly felt they had the most talent in the East. And, you know, I, I think you've seen with Boston this year, maybe maybe they have enough. I, I still am not totally sure about that. But it's also because I, I caught Boston when they came to L.A. and lost to the Lakers. Um, and we still see Gordon Hayward shooting where you go, uh, is he going to come back? I don't know if I would even want him to. Mm. Um, right? You know, but I, I still, I, when I look at the Cavs roster, I know what you're saying, Dave, but I still think they have the most talent. I still think they have the best team in the East. Well, I think they have, in terms of name talent, yeah, they do. But, mm-hmm. you know, we don't even know necessarily who Jalen Brown is and uh-huh. who Jason Tatum is. And and those guys, uh, and Terry Rozier, like those guys in a playoff series could blossom and you're like, oh, wow, like we were mm-hmm. thinking that Dwayne Wade mattered because he's Dwayne Wade and we were thinking that, uh, you know, Isaiah Thomas mattered because he's Isaiah Thomas, but – they have these unknown six foot nine interchangeable players who can score yeah. in the open court like nobody's business. And Tatum has the range to pull up as soon as he passes half court that, okay, uh, you know, we just didn't know what these guys were. And that's people make a name for themselves in the playoffs. And so I think there is a degree of trepidation there, especially if they were to get the mental lift of adding mm-hmm. a guy like Hayward. Um, you know, the, and the, the, the Cavs now, Okay, did they last year feel like they absolutely were the best team in the league? No, I mean, Kevin Durant made the entire league shudder and go, oh, my God, this team mm-hmm. added Kevin Durant. But they still believed, like, they had enough. Yep. This year, they they don't believe as currently constructed they have enough. And that's coming from, as I, I, I wrote it when I reported it, several prominent players in the Cavs locker room. And um, all of a sudden, can they get enough? I mean, that had to trade the Brooklyn pick, and that's what we've been talking about almost since November. I think I would trade that pick. Uh, you know, and, and I say I don't say that lightly, and I don't say that like I'm a coach, okay, because like, coaches always want to trade the pick to get a player, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. You right. know, the GM's like, hey there, hey there. Yeah. We got to, you know, uh, but, but I, I think the pick is not as good as it was. I mean, it's just, it reminds me a lot of the Chris Paul trade a couple of years ago when the big 
the big prize that the Clippers were able to throw in there was the, quote, Minnesota pick, right? And Minnesota looked like a lottery team, top three pick. And it ended up not being that. And that pick turned into Austin Rivers. Like, it just wasn't, you know, right. no offense to Austin, but that he wasn't a franchise-changing kind of player. And, like, I understand, you know, Brooklyn could still fall back down. But right now, that's that's not as good of a pick. It's like a seven or eight pick. And, like, you know, yeah, when you traded for it, we all thought Brooklyn would probably be a bottom three team again, but they're not. And, you know, I think it's – um I think that when – they get to that spot and you got a chance to say, okay, did we give the, this team as much talent as we possibly could before the trade deadline? And, and, and I, I, and I would, I would caution this too. I do think there's going to be some big buyout candidates as well. Um, I think there's going right. to be some other players after the trade deadline that you can go get that would probably help you. And I'm not just talking like, you know, old, old guys like they found with Darren Williams or, you know. Right, like, I mean, I don't know if a Luol Ding or a Joakim Noah would be what this team needs, but I'm willing to listen to other guys you're suggesting. I mean, I think, like, Brooke Lopez would probably be a buyout candidate, you know, if he asked for it. I don't, my my sense right now is that um, the Lakers would not do that um, unless Brooke asked for it, and I don't think he would ask for it because he's from California, et cetera. But you never know how things change. As the decisions evolve, right? As this becomes a realistic option, and you're like, do you want to stand out there shooting threes, you know, with Lonzo Ball as your point guard, or mm-hmm. do you want to go play for a championship? Like right. those are those are the types of of. I mean, there's and there's other guys out there that that would be in a similar position. I think um, I don't see the Luol Deng thing happening in during the regular season. There's just too much too much money left on his contract. Right. Um, but I think I, I think you get to the stage where you go, okay. If you if your if your choice is we got to get more talent around LeBron James or we're going to lose and he will probably leave or we get more talent around LeBron James we have a better chance to win but we will probably still lose but we at least felt like we did everything we could okay I think you got to feel like you did everything you could I because, don't think so right I mean you only have championship windows for a minute okay so so let's say he stays another year or he stays another five years, whatever the case is. I don't see another five years. I don't know how you feel about that, but I don't see the team around them being able to sustain for that much longer. Right. And when you have a championship window in the NBA and a championship player, man, go all in and deal with it later. Deal with the consequences later. I mean, I would, I would think so. I mean, I, I love the example that Rachel Nichols has brought up really almost since I spoke to her on the court after game five of the finals last year. Where she said, "Hey, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks back when they had Kareem and mm-hmm. Oscar, like mm-hmm. when's the next time they've had a chance to win a That's championship? Right. You know, one time since then they've had a, any sniff of a championship when they had you know the Ray Allen team in two thousand one. But um, you know, this is a mid tier, mid level market in a non desirable destination city where you have one of the top five greatest players of all time, if not top two greatest players of all time yeah. still on the the last leg of his prime. Yep. Why like any other team out there would put all their chips to the center of the table to try to attract LeBron, right? Yeah. So why wouldn't you do the same thing to try to keep LeBron? And I That's know the they, mentality I don't get. And and to me, Dave, like you've been here before, right? Like you were here in two thousand ten. I this year feels a lot like that to me. Mm-hmm. Um you know, before he left, before they lost in the second round of the Celtics, you know, the it was elbow shoulder injury. I can't remember. Which it, was one it was elbow. 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 Yeah. I yeah. mean, it starts, it feels like 
it feels like a similar type year where you could just feel the you know the Cavs did make some desperation moves that year. They did, they traded for Anton Jameson. Remember there was Shaq. Yeah, there. I mean, yeah. had they had they gotten Amari instead of Anton Jameson that year, we wonder how NBA history yeah. would be different. But yeah, and, I digress. I remember, I remember when Dan Gilbert afterwards said, I'll, I'll never put myself in that position again. It just damaged mm-hmm. the franchise forever. But you know what? At least you can look yourself in the mirror and say, we tried. Okay? And, and also, if he leaves and you didn't try, you can't really blame him. Right? Oh, yeah. I mean, but I mean, the idea of hedging mm-hmm. is not something that engenders the trust and respect and hearts of the people below you uh-huh. uh, or, the, or the people that work for you. I, I don't want to use that term below you. And, right. and, and that is the sentiment of the way the Cavs players or certain Cavs players I've spoken to are digesting the mm-hmm. uh, Cleveland's front office approach to this season. Mm-hmm. And, and that's like, you know, for, especially knowing that you – put yourself in the fire these last three years, you know, to, that you won one and you came close to two others and, and you live that existence of championship or bust for all this time. And now this year, the people who make decisions up top are saying, uh, not championship or bust light would like a championship, but we're not going to do everything we possibly can to get one just in case we're not even close to a championship next year. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you can, I think history has shown and at least this stage in the, in uh you know, the, the situation in, in LeBron's career, you can't leverage LeBron James. Like, he has the most leverage in every conversation he's going to be in, right? In every situation. Maybe in five years, okay? Maybe later. <laughs> right. But not right now. Not when he's still the king. I mean, I, I still pick him every time I'm asked as best player in the game. You know, I know KD's coming, okay? But LeBron's still right there. And, you know, I think it's, I, I think it's you know, at that stage now where... He, you got to just make a call, and it's something you're going to have to live with for a long time. And I, you know, I would hate to see the people of Cleveland, if he were to leave, end up with like the number nine pick in the draft, and be like, "This is what we held on to that pick for." Right, I'm with you. Can I bring something up real quick? Sure. Hopefully get this off my chest with you and Do it. any other basketball Twitter. Ooh, I like uh, it. Is it are we getting there? a McManaman rant? Are you going to get off it's a, no, it's, right it's, it's now? It's not, not gonna, necessarily a rant. It's we going to get off Philly on me now? It's, it, it. it's making amends with the Twitter world for oh. a, a misinformed tweet I put out last June. Well, I don't even know if it's misinformed. Okay, so... The situation is Dwight Howard is traded to Charlotte. It barely makes a ripple. And that hits home to me, obviously, with you as well, I would think. Because yeah. when we covered him, oh, my gosh, the yeah. Lakers get Dwight Howard. 
back to championship glory. Here we come. He's going to have a statue. He's going to have his jersey on the wall next to the greatest centers ever to play the game. Now, a couple years later, it's barely a blip on the radar. And so I was, it made me think, I was like, wow, there's only X amount of guys in the league where if they changed franchises at this point, you would feel like, okay, my team is in line to win a championship. Mm -hmm. So I put out a list of eight players. I did not include Steph Curry and Warriors fans to this day will not let, and anytime Steph Curry has a great game like he did the other night, you know, 49 (laughs) 49 points against the Celtics, this tweet gets brought up and thrown back in my face. And okay. So here's, here's the thing, guys, I have nothing personally against Steph Curry and uh, a ton of smart basketball folks in, in the, the moment gave all this analytical evidence of, of how he changes the game and and I, I, how I was underrating him. And guess what? Like I had like him right on the cusp of like if I was going to go nine guys, ten guys, Steph Curry's there. But I just chose to do eight. And it, 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 was, it was interesting, like almost like uh, you used the word thought experiment before. But I was like, wow, I can kind of see why certain sports. Uh, media personalities go full heel because mm-hmm. it, it you manipulate people like had i intended to do this just to piss piss people off i don't know if yeah. use that word to make people angry wow it totally worked because uh, to this day <laughs> like we're talking seven months later people are still incensed about it I'm oh like, my oh. goodness so this is a lot easier than just like reporting and and offering facts that no one else has like just put up opinions that are, you know, slightly crazy. outside the norm. <laughs> and, oh, wait, my gosh, people go crazy for it. Wait, question for you. Yeah. Did you, did you, uh, like, did, did you do this on purpose? Did you omit Steph without, no. like, for a reason? Or did you just, like, he slipped your mind? Because that totally No, it, it didn't slip my mind. Like, I, I was aware that I was not including Steph okay. Curry there. Um, it was more like. And and this is probably where, you know, I have come to maybe understand some of the, the you know, the total impact of, of Steph Curry. And and maybe, I, I mean, I agree I was underrating him in that moment. But I'm, I was thinking, like, if I'm, a, if I'm Team X, right, and I add Steph Curry today at age, whatever he is, 29 years old, would I expect to win a championship if I was a fan? Okay. Of of that team moving forward in whatever the duration that player was on the team. And Okay, so let's 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 play it out. If you're the right. Charlotte Hornets, right. okay? And he comes home, okay? Right. And let's say they do Kemba and I don't know, a lottery pick and something else because oh my god, we can't pay that contract. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is not ever something going to happen. Right, right, but, right. But <laughs> like we have to caution people but let's say he goes back to Charlotte, or let's say even as a free agent, he says, you know what? It's been great in the Bay, but I've always wanted to be home. I'm going to resurrect the Hornets, okay? I'm coming home to Charlotte. Right. Um, you know what? I tend to agree with you. I don't think they become an immediate contender. I think Steph is that good that he would attract talent. I think people would want to play with him. But right. I don't know that he immediately makes the Hornets a championship contender. Because there's a long way to go. <laughs> yeah, and so that was kind of my point. And then it, you know, it's hard yep. to make that point in a a, a list on Twitter. You know, it's yep. it's, it's low hanging fruit that I yep. I use. So I cop to that. Um, but it, it's still 
uh, to this day. Like, so I, I, you know, I, I engaged in, in the ads, in the replies. And, oh boy. And someone was like, what are you trying to say? And I said, oh, I like, are you, do you think Steph is bad? I'm like, no, no, no. I think he's an incredible talent. Yeah. But I think he's a collaborative talent. And so that's the thing that people have held on to. There's a Warriors blog out there that literally makes t-shirts that they sell. That oh. say collaborative talent. I love that. I kind of want one. I want <laughs> yeah, I kind of want one too. <laughs> I, I kind of want one too. Um, but so it, it's just funny, like uh, you know, I guess just by by obviously covering the Cavs and and you know, certain fans think that I, I root for the Cavs. No, I, I'm embedded with the Cavs, and I certainly have sources and relationships to protect, of course, uh, by being in that, this position to report on the Cavs every day for the last three and a half years, but. Um, you know, it's just funny. I just wanted to bring it up because it's funny. I got like, you. There's a, I have a, a tweet where I spoke to bring up Dwight Howard again, bring it full circle. I spoke to Dwight the night he, you know, announced he was going to Houston. And obviously he was making less money to go to Houston than he was to, to stay with the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he told me that night over the phone, I'm making a $30 million. I think I have a better chance to win a championship in Houston. I'm making a $30 million bet on it. And so in similar fashion, whenever, not whenever, but a lot of times when Dwight has a bad game or, or gets bounced from the playoffs or whatever, Twitter has a crazy memory. And I, I see a bunch of people retweeting that quote from Dwight to try to rip. Oh Dwight. yeah. Yeah. So, so I guess, you know, I guess this is just being part of the, of, of the, if I'm going to be part of the game, the Twitter game, you got to deal with the consequences yeah. and stuff. But it, it's incredible. Like, I mean, again, we're talking about a tweet from last June. It had to have been retweeted over 200 times wow. from from Saturday night to, you know, yesterday. <laughs> I want to chime in for a quick second here. A, yep. to say that, Dave, it's really nice how you took a couple of minutes to backtrack off that tweet because he saw it a couple days and Ramona immediately jumped onto the tweet saying like, oh yeah, I see it. I can see it. So you can send, (laughs) Warriors fans can send all their, all their pettiness to at Ramona Shulburn now instead of (laughs) McKenna. And also, (laughs) what is, what is the, the language like in Cleveland where you're asking if it's okay for you to say pissed off? on a podcast that's like that's not a curse word by any stretch of the imagination well you know what honestly why that's in my head um uh, tom brady does oh uh, yeah uh, does, he does radio hits with wei okay wait 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 hold tell your story and then i'm gonna call you out on something okay go ahead oh gosh okay i'm just telling you what's <laughs> in my head you know when i was going through my morning news crawl this morning i read that a boston radio host uh used the word pissant to describe Tom Brady's daughter. So the next time he came on the radio uh, with that station, he said, "Hey, you know what, guys? Like, I know we have a, a pretty, we've had a good thing in the past, but you guys made a statement about my daughter, and I'm not really feeling it. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go right now. So I was pissed, aunt pissed. I don't know what type of language pisses off people. I just use it again these days. So I was just wanted to make sure I hedged on that a little bit, All much right. like has management. Now, what okay. do you got, Ramona? What do you got? All right, Philly fan, Dave. <laughs> Laser focused I'm a reasonable on anything Philly Tom fan. Brady's saying oh, right well, now. Oh, well, that's, that's true. Calling out the Warriors fans for being laser focused on any shade <laughs> thrown at Steph Curry. Now, any shade thrown at Tom Brady. Eagles fans are just all over. I mean, literally, like, at the Rumble last night, Royal Rumble in Philly, you really could not pick like a better town for a wrestling match, by the way. Right. <laughs> for a big, 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 I don't know. Do you call it a match? 
I think I'm like, I don't have the right lingo. Right. <laughs> like, um, but there's like all these signs in the crowd that are like F Tom Brady. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, I'm like, I mean, there's literally like on all your monuments around downtown right now, there's just like Eagle signs. Well, someone I mean, put a freaking Jersey, a Brady Jersey on the Rocky statue. I mean, that's, Okay, that's that too is much. that's too much. I that's agree too with you. Much. But like you understand as a rabid Eagles fan and especially yeah. like Tom Brady hater, okay, because everyone's gonna be a Tom Brady hater in Philly right now, right? Um like how fans can get so laser focused on one particular thing about their the opposing team that they would lose some sense of decorum and perspective. <laughs> I like I am right now literally that guy where I got a package delivered yeah. to my door this this morning that I ordered uh, I guess the day after the after the NFC Championship game, I'm wearing the new Eagles hat with like the Super Bowl logo on the side. As we do this podcast, <laughs> like I'm I'm totally Love in. It. I'm going to ride this wave for the next seven days, and then hopefully uh, beyond that for the rest of my life if, if they take care of business. So, wow. All right, well, Dave, I got one more. I got one more thing. Uh, while we're talking about pettiness, while yes. we're while we're. I would be remiss if we did not talk about what happened between Joel Embiid and Russell Westbrook oh, last, man, Russell Westbrook last right. night. Glad we're getting this. <laughs> wow, um, that was First great. of all, Joel Embiid was so sad that he could not be at the Royal Rumble. <laughs> if ever there was a stage where Joel Embiid would thrive, he would have been at the WWE Royal Rumble in Philadelphia. But alas, he was off in Oklahoma City rumbling with Russell Westbrook. Yes. <laughs> And I, I just love the dynamics of it because, like, J- Embiid throws down what is clearly one of the dunks of the year. Oh, absolutely. Who looked like a parking cone, like, <laughs> getting knocked over by a 16-year-old taking a driving test. Right? Like, he literally was like, falling. I mean, down. he had, like, think, Space Jam extension on that really one. It was ridiculous. And his Instagram post afterwards, you see the location. Yeah, crime scene investigation. <laughs> he's a clever and, guy. And the thing I always thought about Embiid, I mean, I was writing a whole story about him being the NBA's biggest troll, right? Like, he, mm-hmm. I mean, he kind of embraced it, too. He was like, I'm Troel Embiid. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought with, with Joel, he is really fun if you're in on the joke. If you get that he's just trolling you and entertaining. Right. If he, I mean, he is WWE. Okay. Right. And he's having fun with this. And he's just he's gonna he's delightful until he runs into the wrong guy who is not gonna <laughs> think it's funny. And right. I think that guy might be Russell Westbrook. <laughs> yeah, that's a good take on it. Like yeah, Russell doesn't have time for that. And it's not that he couldn't understand it or couldn't un- conceive that, you know, Joel's good for the greater good of the game and uh-huh. it, it grows popularity and reaches millennials and all these things that puts more money in his pocket ultimately. But he's kind of like, I'm not part of your act, dude. Like, sorry, you can do that. All the other 80 games you play this season, and that's fine. And and maybe we'll share it in the All Star game. But nah, man, that's that's not flying with me. And it's great. I mean, it's both guys staying so true to uh, quote unquote, you know, hashtag brand or or just staying true to their personalities. Where uh, they were so entrenched in it, and you had that drama. I mean, the the the, the daggers coming out of Russell Westbrook's eyes. Oh my the Final ticket seconds ticked off the clock were remarkable i know so russ has had two so russ games i think we need to make that like a hashtag hashtag so russ so russ that's good hashtag so russ like first of all the 46 points after thinking he was the last pick in the (laughs) all-star game right so russ 
So Russ, so, right? So Russ, yeah. Okay, the end of the Joella B game where he's like staring him down, hashtag so Russ, right? right? And, and like, Man like, cleavage shirts, so Oh Russ. my God, so Russ. Yeah. <laughs> like, and the best part is, Russ is a huge troll too, okay? You know, he is, when he wears the photographer's vest right. to the Warriors game, huge troll job. When he does the cupcake tweet, huge troll. <laughs> It's true, and I think what to what the I don't know if he even sees that that's what he's doing, or if he's just so in character all the time that he would never laugh it off. Because like Embiid breaks character, right? He's a playful troll. Yeah, you know he's always kind of laughing and he goofs off, and uh, I don't think Russ is either in on it or ever going to acknowledge it. Yeah, yeah, and and it's like because I guess it, it fits with his approach to the game, where it's, mm-hmm. you know I, I think that obviously you know we both covered Kobe, like, and I think that's why Kobe always was gravitated towards him. Like, it's like this warrior thing where it, it, this is the biggest, most important moment I could be accomplishing in any realm of life, mm-hmm. and that is being a basketball player and attacking the rim with ferocity. And, you know, having intensity for 48 minutes, like, and that's the kind of the ethos he lives by. And, uh, you know, it, it's led to a lot of success, amazing success, yeah. uh, but not the ultimate success. And it's almost like you have a little bit of a, a Shaq personality in, in yeah. Joel going against the Kobe mentality in Russ. And we're getting to see the same dynamic just paid, played out, uh, you know, with different teams in a different era. I love it. I love the NBA. I know the Warriors are probably it. still going to win, but this regular season and the personalities are awesome. Um, and I love that you rescued Buddy or Rockstar. <laughs> Rockstar. became a social media star over the, over the last week. What a sweet dog. And uh, shout out to uh, Jeff McDonald, uh, San Antonio Express News, who tweeted me last night. <laughs> he said, I got home from the Spurs-Sacramento game. And my dog had escaped from the backyard. Where's McTen when you need him? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was just sweet dog. I was leaving uh, Cavs shoot around at 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 and T Center. I took a right out of the arena, and there's a dog running alongside my car uh, on the street. I'm like, oh, it's a cute dog, but you know, I'm going to go back to the hotel and get my nap. And I take a right, and the dog takes a right, and then the dog darts across four lanes of traffic, almost gets hit. I was like, I got, I got to do something about this. So, got him in, <laughs> pulled up in front of him, cut him off at the pass, made eye contact with him. Uh, he got in the back seat of my car. I called the SPCA. They did not accept animals on on Tuesdays. Only what, Monday, on Wednesday, Tuesdays? Friday. Yeah, it was just like <laughs> Monday, Wednesday, Friday is when they accept them. Damn. I called, I called a no kill shelter, and they had like an application process. And so I was like, well. Uh, what's this great tool I have in my phone where uh, a bunch of thousands of people use it to either deride me for a tweet I put out a year ago or help me find a dog at home? I put it on Twitter. A ton of people responded almost immediately. And, uh, you know, the, I took him to uh, Animal Care Services. I was about 15 miles away. They took great care of him. He had a, a microchip inside of him. They scanned it. They were able to find his owners. I can happily report that his owners did pick him up 
Thursday evening, um, and I actually just got in touch with someone from the Animal Care Services this morning who passed along the owner's uh, information. So I'm going to get in touch with them just to you know try to put a bow on the story. But I mean, I, I'm not here to de- you know deliver lessons or anything like that. But you know, it's the same type of idea. Like you know, I, I if I walk by around New York City and I see someone really down their luck, like yeah, I'm you know you don't have to give them money so you're worried about what they're going to do with it. But like go to a hot dog stand on the corner and get a w- bottle of water and some type of food to give them you know like it if, if you have the means to do it it's just good to like try to care about others other than yourself well it was a very heartwarming story that made my day because i think when i saw it i was like in a bad mood and then i saw it and i read it and i was like oh that's <laughs> great i love that <laughs> and, I was like, and i know it got picked up everywhere <laughs>